0: Hello, my name is Paul Bowag and you're listening to Digital Insights. Today, I want to talk to you about qualitative research because many people rely too heavily on quantitative research because they think that qualitative is going to be too hard. So in this podcast, I want to introduce you to five types of qualitative research that are easy to implement. But before that, I want to thank Zapier for sponsoring the show. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work by connecting all of your business software and handling work for you. That means that you can focus on what matters the most. I use it to connect everything from my CRM platform to my social media, even to my webinar platform. Right now, through to the end of the month, you can go to zapier.com forward slash digital and try it for free. That is Z-A-P-I-E-R.com forward slash digital for your 14-day free trial. One more time, that's zapier.com forward slash digital. Okay, back to our qualitative research. So here's the problem. The web makes collecting data on users really easy, doesn't it? We know everything from which pages people have visited, to exactly what they clicked on, and even where their cursor hovers. However, that data is not enough. Yet many of us have become absolutely blinded to any other alternative. And that's why we need to introduce a variety of types of qualitative research too. Quantitative research is excellent for understanding what users are doing. However, it's much weaker at explaining why they do it. And that's why we need a variety of different qualitative research techniques too. Qualitative research can be invaluable at understanding users' pain points, their goals, and why they're reluctant to act. Not only is that invaluable for conversion rate optimization, but it also helps to understand their worldview and match their mental model. Qualitative research can inform everything from design decisions to the tone of voice of your content and even your information architecture. The perceived problem with this type of qualitative research is that it's time consuming to implement. The argument goes that it becomes too costly and it would potentially delay the project. However, in reality, this is just not true. For a start, qualitative research can save you hours arguing over the best approach. It's far cheaper just to ask users than it is to gather various stakeholders together into a room and discuss the best way to proceed. Then there are the cost savings that can be made both in terms of time and money by being confident that you're building the right thing. A failure to do um, some qualitative research effectively turns your project into a gamble. It often leads to building functionality or creating messaging that doesn't resonate with your intended audience. Qualitative research even performs well when compared to its quantitative counterpart. Yes, qualitative research takes more effort to gather data, but it takes considerably less time and expertise to get real value from that data. So with that in mind, let's look at five types of qualitative research that can be easily implemented by anybody. We begin with objection surveying. Surveying can be a mixed blessing. On one hand, they provide valuable insights into users' motivations. However, on the other hand, only a particular type of person actually completes the survey. That said, there is one particular survey I run because it's simple for users to complete, quick, to do and easy to understand, and best of all, it provides valuable insights into user motivations. I show it when a user goes to leave the website, known as exit intent, and it asks a single simple question. If you choose not to act today, it will be helpful to know why. I then display a list of possible objections or concerns the user might have, and I also have an open field for those people that want to choose other. This simple one-question survey can provide more insights into improvements that you can actually make than you'll find from scouring Google Analytics for hours. Of course, sometimes you need a broader understanding of your audience uh, than just their objections, and that's where social media can help. Number two, do some social media research. Social media is an excellent way of of learning background information about your audience. A simple search can turn up. Um, people who have expressed some form of interest or asked some question relating to your product. And from there, you can find all kinds of valuable information. Once you've identified your audience on social media, you can find out about their likes and their dislikes. You can discover what influences them. You can learn about their context, whether that be their personal or work life, as well as much, much more. Best of all, you can see what they're saying about your products or services. What are the users asking? What are they telling each other? What do they like and what do they hate? It's all laid out on social media if you just put a bit of effort into looking. Number three, unfacilitated usability testing. Many of us are aware of usability testing, but consider it too time consuming or expensive to run. However, that doesn't need to be the case, especially if you adopt unfacilitated testing. The easiest way of carrying out unfacilitated testing is to use a third-party service like UserBrain. These applications will arrange recruitment to your specifications and allow you to set up tasks that the user then can complete on their own time. Once you set it up, you sit back, you relax, and you watch the results come in. Often, you get results in as little as an hour. The results come in the form of videos where participants complete your task and talk through their experience. This means that you not only get to see what they do, you can also hear their impressions of their experience. My fourth qualitative uh, research technique is remote user interviews. Surveys, social media, and unfacilitated testing are useful, but nothing beats speaking to users if you want to really understand them. That's why user interviews are so valuable. By carrying out these interviews just using a tool like Zoom or Skype, you can make um, things considerably more straightforward than having to arrange in-person meetings. You'll also find that people are much more willing to participate if they don't have to travel. You can make the process even simpler using an app like Calendly that allows people to find slots in your calendar and book the interview themselves. And that's going to save endless back and forth trying to find a time to speak. My final area that I wanted to mention is in-field studies. Now, I'll be honest, this one does take a little bit more effort, so you'll probably not want to do it that regularly. However, it is worth doing if only once. An in-field study involves carrying out a user interview or doing some usability testing in person and at the user's home or their place of work. It gives you a chance to see the person's environment, which will provide you with some incredible insights into the reality of using your website. For example, the first time I ever tried this approach, I saw three people in one day. The first person had a PC that was so old that it took 10 minutes to start up. The second person had post-it notes on their monitor that actually covered up the shopping cart icon on the website we were testing. And the third person had a cat who sat on their lap and then spent time walking over the keyboard at random intervals. It drives home just how messy the real world is and the need to make things as simple as possible. Yes, it does mean having a day out of the office, but I promise you that you won't regret it. By the end of the day, you will have a much more personal relationship with users that will make writing copy and designing the site very much easier. Now, this podcast is not a comprehensive list of qualitative research methods, neither have I outlined best practice. That wasn't my aim. Too many of the podcasts and blog posts that you read out there about qualitative research focus on techniques that are used by the likes of Facebook or Amazon. However, few of us work in those kinds of environments. Instead, we have to fight just to be allowed to do any user research at all. When it comes to qualitative research, I suggest that doing something is better than doing nothing, even the smallest of starts is worth it. Also, don't feel you need to talk to statistically significant numbers of people. Five or six people is adequate to see emerging trends. You can always fall back on your analytics if you're looking for scale. What you must avoid is giving up on qualitative research entirely. If you only lean on quantitative, you'll quickly lose sight of the people behind those analytics and you'll stray into the realms of dark patterns in an attempt to improve the numbers even at the cost of the people behind them.